Welcome to the Positive Vibe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bonick, and we got a special guest for you this week, PV Nation. He's been a PV supporter since day one. He's a great guy, and in 2016 was drafted first overall in the MLB draft by the Philadelphia Phillies. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to Episode 8 with Mickey Moniak. Mickey, you want to say what up to PV Nation? PV Nation, what's good? Hey, like Matt said, been supporting me since day one, ever since I got drafted, so it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, bro. So growing up in Encinitas, California, you know, how is life growing up? It was pretty, I mean, pretty slow pace, man. It's like Encinitas is like a beach town. So, um, you know, a lot of going to the beach, you know, a lot of hanging out with friends. Um, you know, my uh, my dad grew up there uh, for the most part. He was born in New York, but moved there when he was younger. So um, he, uh, he, pre- he pretty much is from there. So it was... Uh, it was cool, man. We uh, got to do a lot of fun stuff, dude. Like, you know, being in California, Southern California, got to play baseball year round. Um, you know, for me, actually, as a kid, like I grew up, my grandpa played for the Red Sox. Dad played baseball. So I was just baseball, baseball, baseball. So being in Encinitas, it was it was a kid's dream, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. So was did you play any other sports growing up or was it all pretty much baseball? Nah, man, it was, I mean, other than like messing around, you know, played a lot of like, I was always the kid to go to like the park and play some like football with the friends and, and, you know, maybe like go to a basketball court and mess around, but never anything, uh, organized. It was always, it was always baseball. I think, you know, tried playing basketball one time and I feel like every time I did something else, I'd just go back to my dad and be like, Hey, when's the next baseball tournament? So (laughs) it was, it was always baseball, man. For sure. So you're in high school. Um, you know, eventually, you know, you go on to be the Gatorade California Baseball Player of the Year. You know, had an unbelievable career. You know, when did you first realize, you know, as far as pro ball being the goal? Uh, when did you first kind of realize you had that kind of potential? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, ever since I was younger, I, I felt like I kind of stood out a little bit, um, you know, just from probably age 10 on. Uh, I mean, I think for me, like, it was like, like I said before, it was always baseball. Um, you know, I, any little chance I got, I'd be in the living room, throwing a tennis ball at the wall, making diving catches into the couch, like little stuff like that. So I don't know. I think just a lot of like, just repetition of just playing baseball, playing baseball, uh, loving the game. Um, I think, you know, from age 10 kind of separated me from, from, uh, you know, the rest of the kids at my age and, and, and beyond. But I mean, I played on a bunch of good travel ball teams growing up, uh, played for the SoCal Rebels, you know, with guys like Hagen Danner, Nick Prado, dudes in the big leagues, um, Nick Allen. Uh, so, you know, I was always surrounded by, by a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, I think the, the first, the first true, um, moment, I guess you could say when, when I kind of knew that, you know, I had a chance to do this, um, was, I guess, making varsity as a freshman in my high school. Um, and I mean, I think I might've been the fourth kid ever to do that. And I think the other, the other three ended up playing pro ball. So once that happened, um, you know, played, played about half the year, uh, went into that, that showcase circuit and made team USA and, and then committed to UCLA right after that. So I think, uh, you know, making varsity as a freshman um, definitely kind of got the ball rolling as far as the trajectory of, of what I was going to do in baseball. 
so was it like a no brainer to like to commit to UCLA where there are obviously other schools were interested? Um, you know, how did you come across that decision? Yeah, man, I think, you know, being a Southern California kid, it was, uh, it was always, you know, I always wanted to stay in Southern California. At least that's what I thought at, at a young age. Um, you know, I think when I committed, it was the year they won the national championship. So that was, uh, I mean, that was, that was cool. Um, like I said, I went and played team USA and right when I got back, I, uh, we won a gold medal, came home and, and I think went on three visits total. <laughs> I went and visited USD and, and then we went to UCLA next, me and my dad. And I remember talking to coach Savage and I remember getting back in the car, driving back to San Diego from LA and, and telling my dad like, Hey, that's where I want to go. Like, that's it. I'm going oh. to UCLA. And he, I still had a visit lined up at uh, USC. And um, so honored that, went to that. My dad was like, no, you got to go take this visit. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to at least hear him out. And went to USC, liked it a lot. But, I mean, it was something, something about Coach Savage that kind of had me hooked as far as, uh, you know, the, the culture around UCLA. Obviously, a big thing for me was them just winning the national championship. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I guess I guess that you could say it was always UCLA. When you committed, did you kind of obviously you know you commit, you're jacked up, you're excited, but at what point did it kind of shift that you were like, hey, you know, I pro ball is kind of the move that I'm trying to make? To be honest with you, brother, I think I was never a guy who who really enjoyed school too much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I could always I was always, you know, pretty good at it, but I was always the kid that you know, did just enough to get by. Once I committed to UCLA, I think they were like, all right, you need a 3.0 to get in. I was like, all right. So I think I ended my high school. My high school GPA was a 3.0 on the dot. <laughs> just like little stuff like that. But I mean, I, I think playing for Team USA that 15U year and then uh, obviously committing right after. But I think playing for Team USA was, I think that was kind of the the first step of of being like, okay, um, you know, I could, obviously the college offers are coming in, but, you know, I could definitely do this pro ball thing. And, and, uh, you know, for me, the goal was always to, to play in the big leagues, um, you know, get to the highest level, you know, you got some kids, I know, I know kids who, who wanted to go to college, their, their dream was to go play, you know, college baseball somewhere and, and, and then end up going to, to, you know, pro ball and stuff like that. But for me, you know, my, I never really had the dream of playing college baseball. It was always, mm-hmm. you know, the big leagues. So, um, you know, I knew always, you know, kind of from a young age that if I was going to get the opportunity to go play pro ball, that that uh, I was going to jump at it. So, uh, yeah, I'd say right around that same time. Mm-hmm. So that's <clears throat> obviously everyone's dream, you know, to get drafted, you know what I'm saying? But to go first overall, like that's that's not realistic. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's, bro, uh, you're telling me, man, it was <laughs> Oh, dude, it was, I'll tell you one story about that. We were, it was my senior year of high school. We were going, and after that summer, had a good, you know, good idea that I was going in the first round, at least. So I was like, all right, whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and I'm going to go play. But I remember going to these pre-draft workouts in, like, October, November, kind of right around there. And uh, I think I'd went to, like, four in a row. Like on the weekends, like, you know, being a, a high school kid, you want to hang out with your buddies. Like this is kind of the last chance. Um, but obviously, you know, was focused on baseball. So, you know, was going to these. And I think there's one coming up the next weekend. And it was a Phillies workout. 
And my dad was like, hey, there's a Phillies workout this weekend. Uh, you want to go to that? And I remember telling my dad, this must have been October, November, but I remember telling my dad, dad, I'm not going first overall. So I'm going <laughs> to hold off on that one. And I didn't go to it. Oh, my so, goodness. And then obviously things kind of went from there, but not crazy, man. Yeah, that's, dude, it's, uh, couldn't imagine, bro. And um, what are, like, obviously that's your dream. You know, your dream is to make it to the big leagues, obviously. You know what I mean? Not per se to go first overall. You know what I mean? Like when For that sure. happened or there was, did it, was it a few days before the draft? Was it a month before the draft? Like when was there kind of hype that like that could be a possibility? I think so. I mean, I was having a good senior year. Um, I would say probably like a month, month and a half before the draft. My advisor, I guess you could call him agents now because the whole NIL thing, but <laughs> my uh, my agent at the time uh, was calling, was talking to my dad because he couldn't talk to me directly, but uh, was telling him, hey, I'm hearing these things. You know, Philly is, is definitely... Um, you know, they, they think that they're taking Mickey. And this was a month and a half before the draft. And uh, he said like 80% chance they're taking Mickey. Damn. And I remember I had, there was three games where, was it? maybe No, four games where Pat Gillick was there. Charlie Manuel was at the game. You know, just Damn. Philly legends. And right. I, uh, I think in those four games, one of the games, I was five for five with the cycle. One of the games I was five for five with two home runs. One of the games I was like three for four with like an inside the park home run. And then the other game I was like three for four with a triple and a homer. So, I mean, I did pretty well in front of those guys. So I kind of, I kind of impressed the right people, but I think like a month and a half. And then like for sure, for sure knew I was going first overall. Wasn't until like six minutes before the draft started. Cause it Damn. was like, oh, dude, it's crazy. Like, I remember we were talking to. Uh, it was either the Phillies or the Rockies, cause the Rockies were picking four. Uh, the Reds weren't gonna take me, and the Braves weren't gonna take me, but the Rockies were really interested. Uh, so we knew it was either gonna be Phillies or I'm gonna go fourth to the Rockies. So we mm-hmm. knew that. Uh, but for two weeks before the draft, I didn't. We didn't hear anything from Philly, so we're like, all right, well, wow. Probably end up going to the Rockies, and uh, I remember I was outside. I was outside my aunt's house. She was throwing me a draft party, and the, got the whole MLB Network crew there, uh, cameras and everything. And they got everything set up in her like little like front living room area. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was outside with my dad because he was on the phone with my agent, and he, they were talking to the Phillies, and they were saying all this stuff, and and you know they were going back and forth. And the guy from MLB Network walks out and he's like, hey, you got to get in the chair. Like the draft's about to start. Like we need to get you set up. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, and so I left and my dad was still on the phone. And I remember he walked in like, like six minutes before the draft started. And uh, he was like, had the biggest smile on his face, dude. Like gave me a wink. And I remember like looking (laughs) at him like, holy shit. Like, is this really going to happen? And he like, he was behind me. And I swear that whole six minutes, I kept like looking back to him, like, "Are you ser- like, are you serious? Like, yeah. there's no way, there's no <laughs> way." And I was, I was sitting next to my cousin, and uh, so they had the, we had the headset in, and there was no TVs in the room that we were in, so nobody could watch, like nobody behind oh, wow. us knew what was going on. 
So like me and him, um, he was like sitting next to me, like we were both like right here and we were listening. And, you know, first with the first overall pick, like the Philadelphia Phillies select Mickey Moniak, you can see me and him next to each other, like raise our hand. And then there's like a delayed, like, like cheer behind us. And so there was my like immediate family behind us. And I mean, dude, there must have been like a hundred other people out in the back, like watching it because oh, there was like wow. a draft party. It's huge. Right. And uh, like there's a good video of it of like the local news station was outside and they were videoing uh, they were videoing them. And you can hear us because we were ahead of the TV. Oh, you wow. can hear us go like and then everyone's like looking around, looking around. And then it happened and went crazy, dude. It was uh, it was a crazy day, man. Bro, I had goosebumps when you were telling that story. That's just crazy. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember it. Like, there's there's certain things that you remember like every detail of, and that's right. definitely that's definitely one of those days. What were the emotions like when when you finally you know when that happened? Obviously, you think about all the time you put in. You know, I'm sure you were thinking about your family, your pops. You know what I mean? Like, what was that kind of moment like, or that first embrace with your dad after? You know what I mean? It, you know, you got drafted. Like, what was that like? Oh, dude, I mean. Well, first I got to share it. So my cousin next to me, like he was my idol growing up and he had a, he had a bad accident back when he was in college. He was, we went to Santa Barbara and, uh, they got those cliffs in Santa Barbara. He's at a party, fell down the cliff and now he's, so he's paralyzed from the waist down. So, I mean, he was, and that was probably my sophomore year of high school. So he was, you know, two years out from that and like, just kind of getting back to, to where, you know, he was himself mentally and all that. So to have him sitting next to me was huge. You know, got to and have him be the one to hear the first thing was yeah that's was dope. awesome. But then obviously, fam, my my dad and my mom came and hugged me, and uh, I mean, my emotions when it happened was like, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> this actually just happened. And then uh, obviously, you know, mom and dad come give me a hug. They're crying. I start tearing up a little bit, and and I remember I was giving them a hug. I was like, I gotta lock it in, dude. I'm about to do. I got to go talk to these guys at MLB Network. Like, yeah. they're like, hey, we're, they're going to get you on. They're going to get you on. So I uh, I remember I had to, all right, I like wiped my face. They're like, you good? I'm like, I'm good. Let's go. And I uh, I sat in that chair for like, dude, like an hour and a half. I did like MLB Network, ESPN, you know, Fox, whatever, like back to back to back to back. So, right. yeah, the emotions were, were crazy. And then obviously um, – once I got done with all that, got to go outside and, and hang out with, you know, the rest of my buddies and family and coaches and everybody that was there. It was, it was special, man. That's amazing, bro. Uh, so obviously, you know, it, how does it work? Like they flew you up to Philly? Like, like how's like, I guess, so I'm from Allentown. I'm literally from like the Lehigh Valley, yeah. like, where oh, yeah. you know, the Iron Pigs. Spent, um, spent a good amount of time there. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, but so obviously like, I'm not a West coast guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I've only ever been out to California one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what was the biggest takeaways than your first time visiting Philadelphia? Gritty, bro. It was a gritty hey. town. And, and, but also like, I mean, every single person, I mean, who recognized me, uh, you know, which were, weren't many, but every single person that, that I came across was, I mean, passionate and like, they mm-hmm. were fired up. Uh, they got me fired up. Like, I mean, it's crazy. You watch, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear as day. You watch the playoffs, you know, in Philly and you watch that, that red October go down and, and all that. And it's, 
I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the Phillies have such home field advantage playing in the playoffs, dude, is because, mm-hmm. I mean, those fans, they live and die by their teams, dude, and it's it's uh, it's apparent. And, you know, as a player, like, as a player who wants to win, I mean, that's all you can ask for, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, I think that first, that first uh, impression, I was, it was, it was like, wow, this is, this is going to be different. I think I got there. Well, I got there in June. It's humid. I was like, all right, a little different. I've been mm-hmm. to Florida, so kind of knew a little bit about that. But uh, I was excited to get going, man. I was just excited that that uh, a team took a chance, and and uh, I was just ready to start, you know, playing baseball. Hell yeah, that's awesome, bro. Um, so. Obviously, you know, you go through the minor leagues and stuff like that. We're not going to get too in-depth, um, you know, as far as that. But it, but I just want to know, you know, obviously I couldn't imagine the pressures that come with being the first overall pick. You know, um, just take us through the mindset, obviously acclimating from high school baseball to, you know, that level of baseball. You know, what was, what was kind of – take us through, you know, obviously the ups and downs, but just kind of like the mindset of, you know, the pressure that was put on you. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean – I think about this a lot because, like, so when I got drafted, I mean, to be honest with you, and even that first year down in, in the GCL had a solid year, um, I honestly didn't feel any pressure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just felt like I was, you know, happy, grateful to be playing baseball, uh, grateful to be finally, like, living my dream, doing all that. And, uh, you know, had a good first half season going to 2017 and um, – you know, still didn't feel any of that pressure. Like the first full season rolled around, um, you know, same thing. Just happy to be here, dude. Happy to be playing. Had a good first half of the year. You know, was hitting close to 300 at the All Star break, and uh, you know that first full season, dude. That'll expose some people, man. Because once mm-hmm. that All Star break hit and and it got into you know June, July, August, you know it was it was. Uh, you get homesick and like it was the first time mm-hmm. being away for that long you know being an 18 year old kid 19 year old kid um you know being tired just playing 140 games for the first right. time you know it's taxing like physically mentally so uh i think once once i kind of started to feel the fatigue set in a little bit of being homesick i think that's where like uh i wouldn't really call it i guess a little bit of pressure as far as being the first overall pick, but it was more so like, I mean, social media is crazy. Like obviously mm-hmm. had yeah. to, had to learn to stop looking at that, that year, uh, had to learn, you know, a lot of, a lot of valuable lessons, you know, that season, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously didn't end up end the year how I wanted to. And, uh, you know, that was that, but I remember going into that off season and, and, uh, you know, could have taken it two ways. Could have been like, "Oh man, I probably shouldn't be doing this." Or, "All right, how are we gonna how are we gonna figure this out?" And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's kind of the mindset I took going in. Uh, went to instructional league. You know, felt like I did made some good adjustments there, and then you know went to went to high A the next year, and just kind of you know, the thing about that next year is is the beginning of the year. I think I started. I did the opposite. I started hitting 200, you know, a month and a half in, and and I ended the year hitting 270. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think all the lessons that that I kind of learned uh, through that first full season kind of allowed me to to kind of flip things around, dude. If you go back to almost every year I had in the minor leagues, you know, the first month and a half, 
just not my months and then and then kind of turned it around but i think just that mindset of of it could go up just as fast as it could go down after seeing it in in 2017 kind of set me up well for for those two years and obviously moving forward in my career. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we fast forward a little bit, you know, September 16th, 2020, you make your MLB debut, you know, a couple of days later, you have your first hit in the MLB, um, you know, take us through, obviously, I don't know if it was a weekend or obviously that span of a few days, you know, take us through the emotions on that front. And then like, I want to know the emotions when you got that call that you were going to make your debut. Dude, it was crazy. I mean, obviously during COVID, so you know, it was a, it was a crazy time, um, you know, for everybody. Uh, but I remember, you know, going back to spring training that year before everything happened, you know, I was having a pretty good spring and, um, but kind of felt that this was, this was, you know, the year that, that, uh, you know, I was going to get there. I was going to finally, you know, uh, live out my dream of, of being a big leaguer. And obviously COVID happened and so much uncertainty going on there. Uh, and then, you know, once they started, once they figured out that there was going to be a season, um, you know, there was, uh, that second spring training, uh, and I didn't get invited to it. So I was like, all right, mm. you know, I was, uh, I was looking to my left and my like, what the hell's going on? Like I, I was hitting three yeah. thirty in spring, like all this stuff. And so I remember I was, uh, I just, I think there's a, probably a good two weeks between that two and a half weeks between that second spring and, and, um, when they called me telling me I, I was going to get sent to the alternate site. And that day <clears throat> I got called, I got called, said, Hey, you got a red eye flight tonight. I was at my parents' house and I was upstairs getting packed, everything ready. And I was coming down my, my flight of stairs and I came around the corner too quick and I was wearing slides mm-hmm. and the slides caught and I fell down the stairs, dude. And I Damn. flipped my knee down and I was like, literally like hour before I'm supposed to get on a flight to go to, to leave. Well, I was going to Allentown for the alternate site and, uh, yeah. and just flipped it around. And bro, I remember like moving on. I'm like, okay, like I had adrenaline going. I was like doing some stuff, messing around yeah. with it. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm good. I'm good. Get on the flight, bro. Landed, had a layover in El- or, uh, Atlanta. And dude, go to get off the plane, and I like go to stand up, and I fell. And I was like, Damn. "Oh, oh shit!" And then yeah. I saw so I, I hobble through the. Thank God I had like a two hour layover, dude, or else I wasn't making my flight. <laughs> I hobbled to like the next gate. I remember sitting in that airport, like calling my dad. It was like six in the morning, uh, East Coast time, so three in the morning back here. And luckily, my dad wakes up early, so psychopath but i called them <laughs> knowing that he'd be up and i was like dude i don't know what's going on man like this is not good and i remember getting to getting to philly getting in the car service getting to allentown had to do a covid test and then we had to quarantine for like two days and mm. i remember i'm like all right maybe it'll go away maybe it'll go away did the covid test get back to my room and i'm like moving it around i'm like this isn't good dude like so i called the trainer it's like hey you know I fell down the stairs, like hurt my knee. He definitely didn't believe me, but <laughs> still to this yeah. day, it's the truth. And uh <laughs> I went uh I went to the doctor right after they said I was I was uh negative and got an MRI and they're like, Yeah, you sprained your MCL. So like partial tear, all this stuff, and I'm like, Wow. Like this is uh, the whole beginning of the the beginning of twenty twenty, I was like, All right, this is gonna be my year to make the big leagues and now I'm heading down to 
back down to Florida mm-hmm. where there's nobody with a torn MCL and, you know, only a 60-game season to, to, you know, try to get it right. So I remember – but I remember having a good mindset going into that, just be like, all right, how long does it take to rehab it? All right, six weeks. Right, I'm going to try to do it in five. Like, mm-hmm. all right, all this, like, mindset stuff and uh, – then was able to come back, uh, still not fully right, but I felt like I was good enough and I wasn't letting them tell me no. So went to the mm-hmm. alt site and, and raked for like two weeks. And I remember, I remember getting the call. Well, actually, no, it was, it was in the morning. It's like eight in the morning. It was one of those moments bro, where like they call you in the office and like you'd picture it so many times that like you think, you know, how it's going to be, how you're going to be, you know, but you never know until it happens. And I remember like, just like my body feeling like just like like it was floating, dude. Like they were like, yeah. they're like, dude. Uh, he told me obviously I had uh, Andy Abad, who'd been my outfield coordinator, like my dad in that organization mm-hmm. in there, like a uh, bunch of guys who like had a huge part of my career uh, at the alt site because you know obviously mm-hmm. you know got to have that opportunity. I remember calling my dad, like couldn't even get the words out. Yeah. And as I started tearing up, he's obviously tearing up. And so that whole day was crazy. And then I remember this happened. This all happened at like eight in the morning. And they're like, all right, your car service is at three to the stadium because we got to work some stuff out or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, so I had to wait from basically 930 in the morning. But when I got back to the hotel till three in in Allentown, and then take mm-hmm. an hour 20 car to Philly. And I remember that whole day, dude, felt like the longest day ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, could I just get over there already? Like, right. And, uh, and yeah, man, got there. My first locker was, uh, was in the Bat Boys locker room, not even in the actual <laughs> locker room, dude, because of COVID. Too many. I remember my locker mate right next to me was, uh, Alec Marchand. And uh, the translator, and then the the clubbies and the Bat Boys were all in the same locker room. Wow. We're all hanging out, dude. It was it was crazy. But I mean, twenty twenty, dude, crazy time. But I mean, dude, just getting there, like it was uh, it was it was a fun time, man. It was it's something that I look back on. I remember writing down in a journal every day for like a year, like I'm gonna be a big leaguer. I'm gonna be a big leaguer. I'm gonna be a big leaguer. And and mm-hmm. finally, I could write down that you know I am a big leaguer. So Damn. it was uh, it was a cool moment, man. That's awesome, dude. So obviously, um, you know, we're going to fast forward a little bit to, you know, the trade. But before we do that, you know, how would you obviously, you know, Philly was a big part uh, or as far as the organization was a big part of you kind of growing up. You know what I mean? You're kind of those those years of, you know, obviously 18, 19 and then growing, you know, becoming, an, you know, really an adult. Um, you know, how would you describe like what well, I guess what's the biggest lesson you learned from, you know, your time with the Phillies? I mean, there's so many, dude, like, you know, that first full season, like I was saying, like, just kind of, you know, taking things day by day, being so focused on each and every day. Um, you know, I think Philly, like you said, dude, it, it, it grew me, you know, as a human being, as a man, um, you know, all the ups and downs that I had there and, and you know, a lot of downs, it kind of molded me into, into you know, kind of just being as uh, as relentless as as I possibly can and and kind of you know not taking things for granted uh you know I think uh you know what what people do in that city is they put their nose to the dirt and they work and 
And, uh, you know, no matter what's going on, I think, you know, I kind of, that was a big takeaway that I took from, from being there and kind of, you know, being in that organization, being around those fans. Um, you know, I think for me, it was, it was like, all right, nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Just work harder, dude. Like Uh you're only, there's only one person, you know, that's guaranteed to be there when you die and that's you. So, you know, just kind of take care of yourself, make sure that you're handling everything that you need to handle so that. When you look in the mirror, when it's all said and done, like I could say that I did everything I possibly could, and I can, you know, lay my debt, lay my head down, and and be happy at night. So a lot, a lot of you know, unbelievable mm-hmm. people that I met there, you know, friends for a lifetime, you know, some of my best friends, um, people that are going to be in my wedding, um, you know, guys that are still over there, like, uh, you know, Bryce Schwarbs, Castellanos, like JT Reese, mm-hmm. all those guys, like just kind of them taking me under their wing and, and kind of learning from them for uh, uh, quite a bit of time is, is definitely something that, uh, that definitely helped me in my career and in my life. So definitely grateful for it. That's awesome, dude. Great, uh, great outlook for sure. Um, so then we fast forward a little bit to August 2nd, 2022, you know, you're traded to the Los Angeles angels, making the return to the West coast. You know, that had to be an amazing feeling, a fresh start. You know, what were your, you know, what were kind of your thoughts when that news broke? Dude, I was, I mean, I was pretty fired up just going back to, to Southern California, man. I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's tough getting traded and leaving, you know, the organization that, you know, you'd been with since you got drafted and grew up with and, you know, friends on that team and, and you know, guys that, you know, you've been playing with forever. Uh, that was definitely tough, but I remember when I got told, we were walking across for, uh, at, at uh, Truist Park over in Atlanta, and we were walking, and uh, Cal, the, the bench coach with the Phillies, put his arm around me for like two minutes, was just talking about, um, you know, how, how they're going to miss me, all this stuff, um, you know. And, uh, and then he finally told me, he's like, yeah, Angels are going to be lucky to have you. And I remember, I didn't think, I mean, at the time, every trade deadline's crazy, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. There's always a chance you get traded. You hear things. Um, so you hear rumors. Like, and and I remember the Angels were never like never talked about for me at least. Like I didn't I didn't expect to go there. I thought maybe you know a couple other teams, but never really heard the Angels thrown around. And I remember when he told me, I was like, I was blown away because I, I knew I was going home. And uh-huh. and uh, so I remember I remember getting the phone call from the travel guy, and he's like, "All right, uh, we're gonna fly into Orange County." And I remember telling him like, cause I still had my car. My car was in San Diego at my parents' house. I remember telling him like, you want to just fly me into San Diego? I'll grab my car and I'll drive an hour up the road. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, sure. I was like, oh dude, <laughs> like this is crazy. I remember flying into San Diego, like during the middle of the season, dude, like never been to San Diego in the middle of the season ever since I got drafted and right. it was uh it was a crazy feeling dude and then made the drive that I made a hundred times you know when I was playing travel ball back when I was 10 to 16 17 so it was surreal man yeah that's I couldn't imagine bro that's like that's dream come true stuff you know what I mean playing in front of obviously a home hometown crowd kind of vibe you know what I mean that's mm-hmm. got a got to be special man so For it sure. seems like you really you know you really found yourself this last season you know uh ending the year at a 280 average you know 14 jacks that's over 300 at bats you know what i mean that's uh that's amazing um what what do you think you know really clicked for you this past season 
you know, I feel like I, I feel like I was taking some big strides as far as, um, kind of as far as like my swing went and how I felt at the plate dating all the way back to going into 2022. Um, you know, with my guy here, John Peabody, uh, shout out to him. I've been, he was my travel coach when I was 10 and and now he does, you know, he's a hitting guy and, and, you know, works with a lot of big leaguers and, uh, Mm um, but that's always been my guy. I've always gone to him. Um, you know, he knows me best and, and he's good at what he does, but, you know, we made a lot of adjustments going into 2022 that, uh, you know, that I felt comfortable. I felt confident going in. Like I felt, uh, you know, like this was going to be the year that, you know, things turn Mm -hmm. around and obviously, um, had an unbelievable spring training, um, you know, and, and then last at bat of spring, you know, went from not having a chance to make the team to slated to start opening day in center and last at bat of spring training, Last game of spring training, hit a homer, next at bat, got drilled in the hand, broke my hand. Damn. So it was, uh, I think, you know, all those adjustments. And then obviously that year, um, you know, I felt good about where I was at. It was just a matter of staying healthy and just, mm-hmm. you know, those freak accidents that year, you know, got hit in the finger when I got traded over, broke that one with the angels, like got hit in the hand. I got hit in the hand three times that year. So it was just one yeah. of those crazy things that like, you know, I I kind of I look back on that year, and obviously numbers wise were terrible. But I look back, and you know, I didn't put too much weight on it, just because I knew I was in a good spot as far mm-hmm. as you know where I could felt like I could compete. And then um, went into last year, you know, with the same mindset built on it, and you know, made a lot of good adjustments. You know, always trying to change, always trying to not necessarily change, but always trying to improve. And, um, you know, made a couple adjustments this past year that, that really helped me, um, you know, got to work with, you know, our, uh, hitting coaches in Anaheim, you know, Marcus Timms, uh, and Phil Plantier, um, and they got me right. And I think from there, it was just having the confidence to be able to go out there and do it. And, uh, you know, kind of not really, not really think about all the outside noise and whatnot and just go out there and play baseball and, and, uh. You know, I think, I think it was last year in spring I hit 400 and got sent to AAA. I think that was the last, the last straw for me as far as like, all right, like mentally, like rock solid from here mm-hmm. on out. Like, who cares? Like, obviously this game's a business, and you can only control what you can control. So go out mm-hmm. there and just handle your business. And uh, I think, you know, obviously that set me up to to where when I did get called back up, there was no adjustment period none of that where maybe i had it in the past uh in philly it was just all right you belong here now let's just go prove it and uh you know that's kind of what i did and um but it goes hand in hand with you know a lot all the other stuff that's behind the scenes that you know happens in a three-month four-month off season absolutely dude so i i know i mentioned it to you before but at the time i was working a freaking back of the warehouse job at golf galaxy dude and when you were on that tear last year bro i just remember first off i'd get so jacked up um and dude this is another funny thing it's not like you could be like hey man dude that's my boy bro he's a real one dude like they don't they're like you don't fucking know him you know what i mean like bro i remember i remember watching that shit and i'm like all of a sudden one day freaking derosa's doing a whole breakdown of your hitting like dude it was like that was wild bro it was awesome bro i was pumped for you man oh dude you've been there since day one dude you know tell them to that's 
tell them to get out of here next time they say that. <laughs> show, show Bro, I this. wouldn't even I wouldn't even say anything because I was like, I'm not even they're not gonna believe this. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna take oh. my L here in the back doing freaking breaking down golf clubs. Oh, um man. crazy, bro. But and even bro, even go back, like I remember when I went and saw you in Reading. Um, and I remember after the game we linked up and you gave me those batting gloves to do a giveaway and all that stuff. Like yeah, no it doubt. really has been, you know, it really has been day one, bro. For real. Seriously, straight up. I mean, 2016, dude. I remember you were were you on JP, dude? Like Yeah, yeah. You were you guys were already linked up and then uh like he when I got to Philly, we had the same agent, so he became my older brother. And then obviously oh, wow. like we met through like, you know, just being there, being around Clearwater, mm-hmm. Phillies, all that stuff and yeah, man, it was uh definitely day one. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. Um, so all right, so like we're kind of you know getting to the end of this, but uh, a couple more things I gotta ask for sure. Um, as far as like getting to play in front of your parents a lot more, like getting to play in front of friends, like how is that, dude? It's it's been incredible. I think you know I remember I debuted in twenty twenty, COVID, so nobody could come watch my debut. Mm-hmm. And then 2021 was you know, when they started letting a little bit of fans in. Like that whole year, I remember I got called up in the beginning of the year, and um, you know I was only up for like 10 days. But I remember I got called up, and my dad was like, "Hey, I got like he had stuff going on. Like he's like, I'll just come, you know, in a couple weeks. We'll set it up." And got sent down, and then got mm-hmm. called up, sent down, called up, sent down. You know, was there for a max of three days, uh, and. You know, my parents still had yet to see me play in the big leagues. And, you wow. know, th- we're going on almost a year now. And I remember my dad finally this last, like, end of 2021, he finally made it out. And I think he got to see me pinch it. And that was it. So mm-hmm. so once I got traded over here and just having them be able to come, you know, drive an hour up to a game yeah. and be able to watch me. Grandpa, dude, grandpa was not getting on a flight. He's getting older now, but right. you know, he, he's been a huge part of, of my baseball career. Um, and you know, obviously, like I said, him playing for the Red Sox, dude, like he's like, when I was on the East coast, I'd be talking to him almost every day, him and my dad mm-hmm. almost every day. Um, so being able to have them drive up and, and be able to watch me play and, um, you know, get to see me play, live out my dream and, and, uh, you know, kind of partially their dream too, because they kind of, you know, they got me there. You know, when yeah. they uh, they they sacrificed a lot to make sure I was there. So, um, and you know, same thing goes for friends, family. Um, you know, they've always they've obviously been a huge part of of this whole journey. So, um, yeah, man, it's been it's been fun having them cruise up. I think the biggest thing for me being this close is like the coolest part is you know on a game day I could just hit up my parents and be like, hey. I'm going to get some breakfast and they'll cruise up. We'll get yeah, breakfast cool. in the morning and then I'll head to the field. Like just little things like that, that you never really think about until it's, it's available to you is uh been cool, man. That's pretty dope, man. For sure. That's a dream come true shit for sure. Um, so I, I do got to ask, man, you played with two of the most iconic baseball players in the game. Um, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, obviously, but I, I do got to ask, you know, what are the biggest things, you know, as far as like, what's the biggest takeaway from, you know, being teammates with, you know, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout? Dude, it's been wild, man. I've been fortunate to to have, you know, those two, Bryce, you know, all these guys. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think the one common denominator between the greats, dude, is, is, is they know exactly what they're doing each and every day. Like they've mm-hmm. got a routine set to where, uh, you know, 
and every guy's routine's different. You know, some guys' routine might look like uh might look more laid back than others and whatnot, but everybody those guys know exactly what they need to do. And that's kind of what I've learned uh throughout, you know, the last few years is like I know what I need to do on a daily basis to make sure that I'm ready to go once, mm-hmm. you know, seven o'clock rolls around. But I mean, I think the cool part about it is like you meet them, dude, and you're around them each and every day, and and they're just people, man. Like, yeah. I think that's the one thing that that kind of gets lost. And I remember being a kid, you know, being the biggest fan of, of baseball, major league baseball. Like, looking at those guys in the big leagues, like they're superhuman, you know, yeah. like they're just some kind of god. And I, and now just being around it, being around the greats, uh, you know, being one myself. Like, I think the one thing that that kind of uh, always comes back to is like we're just all regular guys that just play a sport for a living that we're really good at and that we love to do um but you'd be surprised dude every most every single guy that that i've met and even like being their teammates like getting to know them mm-hmm. like the first time i meet them i still have that that view of them being like superhuman all this stuff and then you, right. you're around them each and every day and like oh you're just a human being yeah. you're just like every single person you know that walks the face of this earth except you're just really really effing good at playing fucking baseball dude (laughs) it's just it's it's crazy but like dude like i said like mike just one of the guys like loves football you know likes baseball cards you know likes hanging out with the boys fishing hunting and then goes out at seven o'clock and one of the best players of all time Uh shohei little different you know he's he's got his own schedule him pitching and hitting dude he shows up at at three and, and gets what he needs to get done mm-hmm. to be able to sustain, you know, pitching every fifth day and, and DH and every day. So it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to get to watch it, dude. Yeah. That's amazing, bro. It's, uh, yeah, you've definitely got to play with like, you know, I feel like that's such a blessing, you know what I mean? To have some of these guys that are so, you know, established in the league to kind of take you under their wing and, and give you advice or, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I also think it's so cool how you, you mentioned, you know, uh, we're all just human beings, bro. Cause that's like the realest thing is like, we are all destined to be great at something. You know what I mean? You were destined to be great at baseball. You know what I mean? Like, whereas someone could be destined to be a great barber or, you know, um, a plumber or a construction worker or anything like we're all destined to, you know, find what we're great at. And, um, that's something that, you know, even since day one of PV, I think that's how we gained so much support since day one was like kind of like you said about a different perspective but when i was meeting prince fielder and these guys like in the very beginning cargo and you know what i mean i'm having conversations with them john lester you know what i mean like they're i'm looking at them as they're just human beings and i'm talking to them the same way i never was a fan i never was asking for an autograph or this or that i was always sharing the vision of pv and letting them know like hey we're all destined to be great at something like this is what you're. And I feel like that resonated so much because there's so many fans around you guys that it's hard to see who's real and who's not, or who, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that's, that's no, a hundred percent. And I, dude, I've got that vibe from you since day one, obviously like, and like, dude, the, the, the PV movement has always been like, I mean, it's been more than a, a clothing company, obviously. Like, it's more of a, a way of life, like a mindset, mm-hmm. like, and uh, it's always stuck with me. So, been a been a pleasure to be a part of it. That's awesome, bro. I appreciate you, man. Since day one, man. Um, all right. So, I always end every episode with the same question. Um, I'm I'm a I'm gonna rip it right here and and let you go. Uh, so, 
Mickey, if you could give one piece of advice to PV Nation, what would it be? I think it'd just be stay true to you. You know what I mean? Like you were just saying about, you know, being a barber, um, me playing baseball, you, you know, doing the whole PV thing. Like you find what you, you find what you love and you find what you're good at. And if you truly love it, you know, that's all that matters. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, what it is. Like if that, if, if being a barber is your thing and, and you're a damn good barber, like there's so much glory in that. Like it's like me and like me playing baseball, I look at it, you know, the same way as, as, you know, a really good barber, a really good, whatever, like you're just a master at your craft. And, and at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that's what you do. It's not who you are. And, uh, I think that, uh, at the end of the day, dude, just being a good person, treat people how you want to be treated and, and staying true to yourself is what I try to do on a daily basis. That's what my parents instilled in me. And, um, you know, I, uh, I just hope that, you know, everyone else can, can try to live by the same, the same code with all the craziness going on. Uh, I think, uh, a little bit of kindness definitely go a long way. Hey, I love that, bro. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm wishing you nothing but love, you know, nothing but big things in 2024, bro. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Always. Since day one, brother. Yes, sir. PV Nation, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great week.